Welcome to Guarding Your Nest Egg. Podcast. During the last year or so, Mike, have you done any projects around the house that required you to run out to your favorite home improvement store and buy some lumber from time to time? <laughs> I'm kicking myself because a, uh, a project that I wanted to start and I didn't do it, a dock at the lake, clearly that's nothing but lumber. You waited too long because demand for lumber skyrocketed <laughs> during Just the pandemic. shot my foot off. Prices are at all-time highs. My neighbors are constantly complaining about this because they're big DIYers. I mean, mm-hmm. two-by-fours are more than three times their typical price. Even plywood has soared. Mm-hmm. The Wall Street Journal explains what's really driven and is still driving this lumber boom. Lumber futures have more than tripled since the rally began in April 2020. No one expected wood prices to soar. Not even sawmills, lumber dealers, and others who profit from rising prices. When the pandemic set in, sawmills shut down like many other businesses. Before the lockdown, it was shaping up to be a strong home building season. But when the global economy ground to a halt in 2020, new housing construction in the U.S. plummeted. Hunkered down homeowners remodeled en masse, and low mortgage rates drove demand for suburban housing. The building boom lifted the share price of home improvement giants Lowe's and Home Depot ahead of the broader market. Wood was in short supply. Sawmills ramped up capacity but couldn't catch up, leading to a surge in prices. And I heard that home prices are on their fastest climb since the run-up to the housing crash 15 years ago. I mean, we're seeing major shifts like this in the economy, and it scares me. But it also Mm -hmm. makes me go, hey, wait a second. No, think like an investor. Are there ways to capitalize on these sectors that are doing so well? At this point, I think we want to be really careful. If you're... Like I was, I had to get the dock redone. That's all lumber. And I wish I would have done it, but it would have become an issue. If you're trying to build a home, it's going to become an issue. I think we have to look at this as a bubble. It certainly is. If you go back and you look at um, the reason it happened, well, there was demand. People were staying home more. They were doing more home improvement projects, but COVID forced the lumber mills to shut down. There's less lumber. You've got more people who want it because they're staying home doing home improvement projects and they have an issue there. Then you take a look at everything that's going on with now them trying to you know ramp back up and then the, the demand for lumber as people are moving to new areas because of COVID. A great example would be people moving out of the Northeast because of how the Northeast handled COVID mm-hmm. or because of the shutdowns and people moving south to places like Florida. The housing rates and the cost of a home in Florida has skyrocketed. But also if you want to build a home, it's skyrocketed and mostly because of the cost of lumber. Back on April 19th, Again, lumber is a commodity, so it trades in the futures market. And so the futures price, basically, the way they price it is price per thousand board feet, okay, of two by fours. I know that's complicated. But imagine this, it was $32 a share. It jumped to $1,326 a share. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No wonder my neighbors are so upset. (laughs) It's nuts. I mean, and, and so that trickles down. Okay, that's futures. But bottom line if you want to go buy lumber at the hardware store, it's going to cost you a ton of money. Gosh. If you want to buy a house right now, it's going to cost you a ton of money. So back to your original question, how do we benefit from this? Well, the first thing that I would say is, and again, I, I know not everybody's in a situation where they can avoid buying a new home right now, but this has every indication that it's a bubble. Mm. Bubble means temporary, right? We've got mm-hmm. a situation where it's crazy inflated. And we look at the reasons why it's inflated and the reasons why it's inflated is temporary. The Mm. reason is COVID. Eventually, the way economics work, and again, (laughs) you know, math guy, path of least resistance for me in college was finance and economics, supply and demand, Mm -hmm. right? 
It is what it is. So right now, demand is really high. Supply is really low. But the way economies work, the way markets work is all the businesses out there that create lumber, they realize how much money they can make on it. And there's a rush to fill that demand for the lumber. And then eventually those prices are going to come down quite a bit. So what am I going to do personally with my dock? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tie a warning. Don't go out on it this summer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> There's like boards. I mean, I don't want to be tripping, rusty nail, like yeah. the kids, nobody's going out on my dock. All right. <laughs> but I'm not going to pay 10 times what the lumber's worth and I'm going to wait. Now, not everybody can afford to do that, not from a financial standpoint, but from a, just a, a, a life standpoint. Right. From an investment standpoint, I'd say this is a bubble. Take a look at things like home builders, right? Mm -hmm. I'm worried about the big home manufacturers out there. They're doing really, really well. But when they sit down with a home buyer and they have to sell you a home at a particular price, they're using futures. They, they have to know what they're going to pay for their lumber in the future. And so if you wind up in a situation where they're trying to sell a young family a home and they base the price of that home on lumber and then those futures contracts don't work out for them and then they can't deliver that house at the price promised, mm. it becomes a problem. So right. I'm worried about the home builders and how this trickles through. I know nobody's really talking about that yet. I haven't seen it, but be careful. Gotcha. The ones that have done a good job with their futures on the lumber probably do pretty well. But lumber prices, I'd say a year from now, eventually it'll all level out. Don't get caught holding the bag. And that's really what investing is all about. Mm -hmm. Just make sure you're active, whether it's real estate, whether it's stocks, whether it's bonds. Just be active in the management of your portfolio and take a few steps back and understand what's likely to happen moving forward and learn to just appreciate a bubble. Be willing to just take two steps back and go, you know what, I'm just going to wait because this scenario is going to be better later. That active wealth management is something you've been preaching for years, Mike. And this is just another example of why that is so important. Link up at guardingyournestegg.com. A lot of people were stockpiling mm -hmm. cash during the pandemic. Not toilet paper. But Mike, I don't know if they put money under the mattress or buried in the backyard, because according to Moody's Analytics, there's an estimated $5.4 trillion stashed right now in Americans have the hmm. largest share of the excess savings globally. First of all, a crime wave is about to <laughs> take over America because you just told everybody that people have 5.4 trillion no, stuff in their mattresses. That's globally. Globally. Okay, okay. sorry. Americans, okay. though, 2.6 trillion. You know, still right. a big deal. Uh, still a big number. Keep that on the down low, Kristen. See, yeah. I would think it's good news to be saving, but yeah. is it or is it not? Well, you got to look at why the saving happened. So not everybody lost their job during the pandemic. A lot of people kept working. I think the majority of Americans obviously kept working and they had an income, but there weren't things to spend it on. I mean, there was fear in there. So toilet uh, paper. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, spend the it on that. Paper and paper towels. and uh, You can only spend so much else. on that stuff. And you can only stockpile so much. But first of all, there was fear about putting money in the market because of the volatility. But then there was also uh, look at what people saved on vacations. Look at what people saved on not eating out, going mm -hmm. out, traveling, what they saved on fuel. So this stockpile of cash, again, $2.6 here in the U.S., there's reasons for it. You have to take a look at the reasons and wonder why, but it starts to make sense. And then when you do the math on why the money's there and you start to ask yourself what's likely to happen moving forward, well, ask yourself, what are people's plans? So I think that this is not money that people would have normally invested in the market because that's already happening in most people's lives. If you're working, 
you're already getting the deduction from your paycheck to contribute to your 401k. Mm-hmm. on a uh, bi-weekly or a monthly basis. If you're retired, your money in your investment accounts is your money in your investment accounts. You've right. just been taking income that's now uh, building up over time. So there's going to be a balance moving forward. Uh, we're already seeing some of these numbers. People's, it's not even a willingness, Kristen, it's their desire to get out and spend this money on travel is oh, higher yeah. than it's ever been. I mean, it, it, it's going to be crazy for the next year or two, and the spinning is going to be crazy for the next year or two. The cruise line industry uh, by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but we work with a lot of people that are retired. They've got some time on their hands, mm-hmm. and a lot of our clients like to cruise. Mm-hmm. And they haven't been able to do that for going on two years now. Right. And so they're able to book tickets on trips that they're not even sure they can go on yet. But they're, but they're willing still, to. <laughs> they're willing to put like, hey, I just want to go. I got to get out of here. Yeah. This has been crazy, right? So pent up demand. Mm-hmm. And again, that is going to manifest itself into certain things when it comes into markets and numbers from companies that benefit from travel. It's manifesting itself into, you know, states like Florida that have just crazy tourism now, you know, off the charts. Just try to get a hotel room in Florida. It's going to cost you probably, you know, three to four times what it would have been pre-pandemic, even at high season. And you look at how all of this is moving around the world. We just we have to be just focused on how this is going to impact us moving forward. So we've talked about some things on the program today, Kristen. Certainly right now we're talking about the amount of money on the sidelines. And does that we're affect also talking about markets? Inflation, yeah. I was going to ask. Sorry to butt in there, but uh, yeah. that's one of the things I've heard people worry about lately is the stashed cash that people are going to spend on trips and things like you're talking about going out. It could hurt inflation or no. So the inflation issue with cash is if you're if we have inflation and you have cash, again, 2.6 trillion, the best way to get hurt from inflation is to have your money sitting in cash earning nothing because things are getting more expensive, but you're not earning anything on your money. So inflation is a hot button. You know, right Mm. now people are worried about it. Certainly it could happen. But what I can tell you is this economy has to go gangbusters. It can't be a flash in the pan. It can't be just everybody goes back to work, they're making money, they've got their shots, and things are looking great for a short period of time. That has to happen, then it has to continue, and people have to continue spending money to drive the prices of products up, Mm -hmm. right, for inflation. Everything has to get more expensive over time. And I'm not exactly sure that's going to happen. We have to wait and see. So I know people are worried about inflation. Having money in cash is going to be a problem What are you going to do with it? Well, I'd say take a look at your investments. Look at what's likely to benefit from the spending that's going to happen because it's going to happen. That's where this cash is going to go Mm -hmm. initially. Then take a look at how is your portfolio likely to be affected by inflation because we may or may not get it. How is your portfolio likely to be affected by changes in tax rates? We talked about long-term capital gains earlier. All of this is just a long-term approach to financial planning and being in a situation where you understand what your portfolio is likely to do moving forward, given the concerns and changes we're likely to have. Speaking of planning, Mike, when you Mm -hmm. and the team at Talon create a financial plan for someone, you don't base it off their current cost of living. Why is that? I would think my current costs are vital to my budget moving forward. That's a difficult thing for most people to answer. Let's face it, Kristen, not all of us have a budget, you know, a written budget. We've been told we should Correct. have one. We've been told, write it all down, checks and balances. This is how much Give I every spend every single name. month, every dollar a name, and then budget for us. We're fortunate 
most of us, we, we don't live that way. Mm-hmm. So we have this relationship typically with our bank account, which is also a relationship with our income, where we have a pretty good idea of how much we can spend. And then if we spend maybe you know too much or we want to spend more than we normally do, we go back and look at our investments. We go back and look at our portfolio and we make some adjustments you know, over time. Mm-hmm. And so when we're sitting down with individuals and, and we ask them, because it's important, you know, what are your expenses right now? What is your cost of living? People can, uh, usually they'll just round off to a number <laughs> a couple times, Kristen, in all the you know 20 something years I've been doing this, somebody's come back to me and go, I spend $8,756 a month. You mm. know, that, that, that doesn't happen, right? People usually aren't that keyed in. They just spend less than they're making and their bank accounts typically go up over time. So here's the thing, if you base it on your current cost of living, every year moving forward, you're going to be off a little bit because of inflation. Things don't get less expensive over time, they get more expensive over time. So we wanna know what your current cost of living is because we have to look at that just this year, but then next year we wanna increase that by 3% and the next year 3% and the next year 3%. Because your cost of living is going up every single year literally this is my probably my my number one complaint about the advisors out there that are pushing annuities on people Mm -hmm. is there's no cost of living adjustment it's very very short-sighted they're taking a look at their portfolio and there's some scare tactics usually in there a little bit and the advisor's going hey if you put your money in this annuity you're guaranteed pick a number but i'm gonna say you're guaranteed five thousand dollars a year for the rest of your life sounds pretty good yeah, it's short-term gratification. That's not necessarily a good thing. Well, I'm going to get $5,000 a month this year, but then as I move forward, it starts getting eroded by inflation, and then it starts getting eroded by taxes. Mm. And then pretty soon in 10 years and in 15 years and in 20 years, my standard of living is going down because my income isn't keeping up with inflation. Gotcha. So we have to be really, really careful in the planning process to help individuals understand how that's going to work over time and how their income's going to work over time. Chris and I sat through a presentation here, good guy and a friend, we just differ on our opinion Mm -hmm. on how money should be invested. And he's more of an annuities guy. Mm -hmm. And he really, really wanted to show me his presentation on annuities and why he was so just adamant that people could use annuities to generate an income stream for the rest of their lives. Hmm. And he walks me through the entire presentation and we went step by step and It's this thing called a bucket approach. Some of our listeners may have seen this, but you Mm -hmm. put some money here and you spend it down, you spend it down, you spend it down. So I sat with him for about 45 minutes and he showed me this because I think he thought, you know, I'd be like, wow, that's great. You're going to change your mind or something. (laughs) Change my mind or something. And at the end, I just said, okay, yeah, I mean, I agree. Income for the rest of the life, you know, or their life. I'm like, what happened to all their money? And he (laughs) said, uh, well, they don't ask that question. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And I was like, well, if I'm sitting across from you, that's the first question I'm going to ask. Right. You know, like, where'd my money go? I'm like, so what if they ask you that question? And he says, oh, well, I just tell them you'll have whatever's left in this account, whatever's left in that account, whatever's left in that account. I'm like, well, did you tell them it's likely to be nothing? He's like, well, they don't ask that question. Hmm. Yeah. So, Christian, the, the financial services industry and things like certainly investing, but investing for growth investing to offset things like taxes, mm-hmm. investing to offset things like inflation. It, it, you know, it, it's all really, really important. And an advisor can spin it any way they want, but you gotta understand, you know, what's my result over time? What's my result now? What's my result on my income 
over the next 20, 30 years? What about inflation and taxes? And what's the result at the end? And again, good guy. But what I told him is like, frankly, I could not sit down with my clients and tell them that they're going to get income for the rest of their life, but your beneficiaries are going to get zero. Right. I just couldn't do that. That would keep and you up at night. And they'd keep me up at night. You're a fiduciary I, and that's not I, okay. I would, ha- I would actually have to tell them that. Yeah. And so that's a difference of opinion. But as an investor, as a retiree, you got to find out what's going to work best for you. And it takes, you know, talking to somebody who's going to show you the advantages and disadvantages of everything that's available to you and who's just going to help you make an informed decision. This is Guarding Your Nest Egg with Mike Lester. Catch up and interact with the show anytime at guardingyournestegg.com. Mike Lester is a registered representative of and offers securities through World Equity Group, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services offered through Retirement Wealth Advisors. Talent Wealth Management and Retirement Wealth Advisors are separate entities and are not owned or controlled by World Equity Group, Inc. Mike Lester is an investment advisor representative of Retirement Wealth Advisors Incorporated, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Talon Wealth Management, Retirement Wealth Advisors, and this radio station are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when a Originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer to only fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are not offered by Retirement Wealth Advisors. Florida license number D056341. California license number 0N00828.